We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report. With Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in Max's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger, and we are here with our second free agency six pack. We're talking week two of our pre free agency coverage. Chris, things are starting to heat up a little bit around the NFL. There's some things are percolating. Would you say that? Oh, yeah. It's Tuesday night as we're recording this. Unlike our usual Thursday, your wife's taking Jack ice skating tomorrow. Yes, sir. Thursday, I'm going to Dan Soder downtown in Buffalo. Wait, you didn't want to take me to Dan Soder again? No. Friday, <laughs> I'm going to Rochester for Mark Normand. So oh, okay. that's why we do. A, we're doing a, a Tuesday. But I can't drink. I have a. I have a Hanks gourmet root beer. Chris literally bought gourmet root beer, and it's I'm not going to lie. I'm, Phil- I'm not mad at it. Philadelphia recipe, whatever that is. Did you know... On a scale of 1 to 10, how does it hold up against IBC? Uh, it's pretty good. Did you know root beer was invented in Philadelphia? Are we certain that's correct? Yeah. Is it on the bottle? No, it's on the internet, where everything is true. <laughs> where everything is true. Well, if that's the case, and Tom Brady's coming back to play football just so we can kill him... Yeah, but I also didn't uh, disappoint. I made you a cocktail there. Ooh. Again, you love these coupe glasses. I'm I'm always intrigued, and I'm always intrigued by when I move it around a little bit and there's a little bit of sediment left on the glass because it always makes you question, like, what did you put in here? Oh, it was in the freezer. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you don't freeze your glass, you're... <laughs> well, something something you, bad happens to you. You're a peasant? Yeah. Is that peasant shit right up there with your non with your peasant ice? Yeah. So this glass, it, you in order to hold it, like basically you have to hold it like a fancy boy by the stem. I'm looking at this drink you made. I'm trying to look at it through the lights. It's a murky drink. We non trans non translucent. We did discuss the spirit last week. If you remember, I don't know if you remember that, but we did discuss what spirit I was going to be using. I don't know if the people so who listen you, to our podcast remember, if, I might not recall what that was. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So it's it's clear with some orange and yellow mixed in with it. And I don't know what either one of those are, but I'm assuming one of them is going to be... It, it does have the color of, like, uh, pond water. Kind of, yeah. And it has a smell. It's very bitters. Like, I can smell bitters in this. So let me take a hit of this. Oh, 
Oh, okay. That was surprising. All right. So there's a little bit of spice on the back end. Almost like like it's hitting my tongue like cinnamon, but it's not cinnamon. I don't know what that is. Chris, you got to tell me what this is. It's not bad. You're drinking an original of mine. Oh, no. This is a Chris Kruger. Hang on. A Chris Kruger jam? Yeah. It's, I don't know. It doesn't you have... Spike Lee? Yeah. It doesn't have a name because you, Jessica usually names all cocktails that I create, but that has quince gin. Okay. It has pear liqueur. <laughs> It has lemon juice in it. See, I was going to say, that's, that's the, yeah, the lemon like gives it the color. And then the spice you're getting is ginger syrup. There it is. See? I was like, there's something. It's not, as, it's not as hot as cinnamon, but it's definitely a spice. This is incredibly drinkable. You made this yourself? Yeah, I made it. You mean well, I came up with but the you, recipe. But you, that's what I mean. Yes, like, I did. Guys. Those of you listening, it, I, I'm at, at the risk of drinking this too fast and ending up like we ended up last week. I, I would tell you you need to reach out to Chris and get this recipe if you're a cocktail aficionado. If you're not and you're just a guy like me, you're going to want to crack a beer, settle in. You know, I have a beer here that came from his lady, Jess. She picked it out. It's called, it's a porter. Chris? I don't think I've ever given you a porter. No. The beer itself is just called Regular Jesus. And the script under it is just a porter that tastes like a porter. I don't know who came up with the concept for this beer, Chris. It's 6.3% alcohol by volume. Like, do we know it's Duclaw Brewing? Regular Jesus is a weird, like, I get it. Like, everybody tries to find, like, an artsy name or a funny name. There's there's beers that I won't order that I don't like. I don't like sours, but I specifically will never order in public because, like, I think uh, Chris, who's the is it Thin Man that makes a could be it's a beer called the Minky Boodle. Never heard of it. I'll die before I say that out loud in fucking public. Like, if another man were to hear me asking for, hey, can I get a pint glass of Minky Boodle? <laughs> no, you just it's like in Boy Scouts. Or like Cub Scouts when you get your totem shit and it says that you can carry around a knife and then one of the older kids catches you doing something stupid and they get to cut a corner off your card. And if you lose all four corners off your card, you got to turn over your knife. You're not allowed to have one. It's like that with a man card. I feel like saying, can I have a pint of Minky Boodle out loud in front of a bunch of other men? So one of them should just step forward with a pair of scissors and just kind of give you the slow like, gimme. Come on. And you produce the man card and they cut a corner off. And that's it. Like, you just, okay, I'm one step closer. That makes sense. Regular Jesus is something I'd almost be like, just, I, it would be fun to yell across the bar. Hey, give me a regular Jesus. <laughs> that's an incredibly drinkable beer. A little bit of toffee notes, but it's super light. I don't think I've ever gotten you a porter before. No, not ever. Look at that. Jess is so thoughtful. You're it's... lucky. You're lucky you have her. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Guys, we are here. T we're here boozing and we're talking about the free agency six pack of the week. Six thoughts, six ideas, a bunch of players, just things about free agency. We're going to start on the offensive side of the ball for tonight. My first one is Isaiah Wynn, right? Isaiah Wynn, former New England Patriot. Like, if we're talking about good ideas for the Buffalo Bills and free agency, Wynn's a guy who the Patriots drafted in the first round and kind of looked at like they, he was going to be a building block for their offensive line for a really significant period of time. He followed what I'd call like a Cordy Glenn-esque route, where people said he had the chops to be a really great interior offensive lineman. They were like, oh my God, Cordy Glenn, you know, guard. And then when our regime drafted him, Buddy Nix was like, no, we knew all along he was a tackle. Isaiah Wynn followed that same route. Like, his athleticism allowed the Patriots to make him a tackle, but everyone looked at him in pre-draft and said, he's the best guard on the board. His first two seasons, he graded out really well, despite missing some time with nagging injuries. His rookie season in 2019, eight starts at left tackle, just 14 pressures and two sacks allowed. 
Really solid pass protector. 2020, you watch his game develop. Now he starts 10 games. 16 pressures and 3 sacks allowed. His run blocking improved to match his pass protection. And he was probably the best Patriots offensive lineman. 2021. Like, that's an interesting year because it was his first one to play all 17 games. Obviously, with more playing time, his pressures and sacks both saw an uptick, but he still graded out pretty well. In 2022, that's when everything changed. Chris, do you remember the Patriots having Trent Brown? Heard of him. And then him signing for, like, record money. With the Raiders? With the Raiders. And then him coming crawling back to the Patriots. Wasn't it like a year later? It was like two years later. It was it was bad. So, Trent Brown comes back. The Patriots offensive line, 2021, they get their teeth kicked in by the Bills to end the season. The season starts and the Patriots go, you know what? We're going to flip our tackles. We think Trent Brown is a left tackle. And we think Isaiah Wynn, even though he's never done it before, is a right tackle. People questioned why they would do that. But there we are. And he was a good soldier about it. Chris, would you like to be moved from one job to the next? No. Like, what's a job that works in conjunction with what you do? Uh, I would be called a servicer in my line of work. Okay. But it's so what not if, something I would I would sign up to do. So what if your company were to come to you and say, hey, we know you've been doing this job for us for a while, but actually we're going to make you a servicer and we're going to bring in this guy who used to be here doing this, who we let go, but now we're letting him come back. And you're going to go do that for a while. How would you handle that? Uh, not good, considering what I do at work, I'm the best at <laughs> Of course you are. Of course you are. Actually, now that I think about it, who else could sit there and drive laps around a place with, with while speaking to no one, while taking minimal breaks, keeping to themselves? Like these are the like Chris. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's one of the jobs that would drive me insane. I'm an extrovert. I need to talk to people, or I'll I'll die. Yeah, no, just headphones, podcasts all night long, all day long. It's the best. You could be a truck driver with that mentality. No, no, no. I'm not doing that. I'm not. <laughs> no. So here's what I know. Yeah, well, I'll, honestly, I don't trust you driving a manual shift, to be honest. Have no. you ever driven a stick? Uh, Once or twice. Let me guess. You stalled the fuck out of it every time. No, I don't remember stalling out. My dad used to have... Uh, you want to, here's here's a fun story. It's um eight might be eighty eight or eighty nine. My dad went and bought a nineteen eighty eight Toyota Supra. Ooh. So we this was like this had to have been like ninety or ninety one. So we had to like I remember my dad went to look at it. And so me and my brother went with him. And so, like, we're in the car while my dad is checking out the car, talking with the owner. I mean, it's early 90s, so it's not like you, my dad could go get a Carfax or whatever. <laughs> the Carfax. Carfax. Yeah, so he's like, you know, he's doing his own thorough investigation of this used car he's going to buy. And I, me and my brother, Daryl, are in probably the Toyota Celica that my dad had. <laughs> and... We had candy, and my brother convinced me to put uh, M&M up my nose. <laughs> this yeah. story did not go where I thought it was going to go. Yeah, so I like I remember I had an M&M stuck in my nose while my dad was, because the 88 Super was a manual shift. I love you. Yeah. I love that this is where your that's, brain that's goes. You're I like, oh, I remember of. a story about a manual shift car. M&M in my nose. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a that's one of like my best stories of you, uh childhood. You think also first of all, that's sad. Second of all, nothing stuck in my nose. Not ever. Never anything stuck in my nose for as dumb as I am. One of my friends got a quarter stuck in his nose. <laughs> oh my god. 
They should have just put him down like a ba- like a lame horse. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you get a quarter stuck in your nose. There's no way you're making over forty grand a year ever. Like, there's no way you're uh, you're not a Rhodes Scholar. You're not. Uh, you, there's no way people are going to talk about you like, oh, that, I'm excited that that guy lives on our street. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Either way, things could have come off the rails, but they didn't because Isaiah Wynn was a professional. He was a good soldier about switching sides. And we've all heard the uh, famous Joe Thomas line about switching from right tackle to left tackle. He's like, you know, try if you're right-handed, try wiping your ass with your left hand and telling me that switching sides of the line is easy. Everything's different. Now your mirror moves, your post leg, your plant leg, and your, your kick slide are different. Everything about playing the position changes. But I don't, like, I don't know. Like, but but I, I guess I question why they made the choice, but Chris, look at what happened to the Patriots last offseason. It's not... Them switching Isaiah Wynn to the other side of the line doesn't even crack the top five of most confusing decisions to make on offense, correct? Yeah. Okay. The kid starts nine games in 2022. Seven at right tackle, one at left guard, one at left tackle. And he had the types of ups and downs that you would assume a young player going through a dramatic position change would see. And even with that in mind, four sacks, 17 pressures, I don't know how you can be mad at that when you look at what the fuck Spencer Brown did. If I go PFF Spencer Brown, just to just to see, like I just want to try to compare the season that the Bills right tackle had, which I get it. Everyone's like, well, he's he's learning and he's he's gonna have upside. And there was a foot injury and there's also forty two pressures, <laughs> forty two pressures and four sacks. <laughs> Chris. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. 42 pressures. You were one of the worst in the NFL. I I don't know. Half the season, even if you doubled what win, let's say you doubled, right, through nine games. So double that, make it 18 games. Let's say the, the Patriots make the wild card. If you double that, that's still only 34 pressures. It's not, it's not even close to the same number of pressures. I, there's reasons to like this kid's upside. First of all, recent positional change from left tackle to right tackle obviously contributes, correct? Yeah. There's a learning curve when someone throws something like that at you and goes, hey, you've been a left tackle and a good one at certain points in your career. Now we're going to make you a right tackle and fuck the consequences. I think he could make for a decent player to push Spencer Brown. And at worst... If Brown picks his game up, he's a good swing tackle option, especially should Anderson's knee require a slow ramp up back into game action the way Ike Bakker did. Then you look at the way the Bills love their offensive linemen to be versatile. Wynn was talked about pre-draft as being a great interior offensive line option, despite having the athleticism to play tackle. If the Patriots didn't take him in the late first... The odds were really good that he would have been gone by the time they were on the clock again in the late second. And someone would have drafted him and made them a starting guard. The Bills have a history of signing versatile players in backup roles. Feliciano, Dave Questenberry, who I wouldn't be mad at seeing again in the Bills jersey. Chris, you look like you were going to say something. You're not going to mention Ty and Secchi? You do Ty and Secchi. <laughs> Daryl Williams, Ryan Bates... They like guys who can play multiple spots. I think that Wynn has the potential to do that for the Buffalo Bills, should they so choose. Spotrack has him listed as a player that could earn a five-year deal worth north of $70 million. But let's face it, that's fucking crazy. His injury history, changes of position, and the fact that there are more high-end options out there. Like... Chris, $70 million for five years is what you would pay a bona fide de facto career starter, correct? Sure. Okay. Well, guess what? Those guys are already out there. Mike McGlinchey, Orlando Brown, Caleb McGarry. These guys are out there occupying that space that Isaiah Wynn can't really step up to. So... 
like there's a lot of factors at play that could suppress his overall payday. I think it's a lot more likely that we see his actual free agency deal, I don't know, fall in line with PFF's Brad Spielberger. Burger? Berger? Chris. Sure. I'll get banned from the internet if I make a joke about this. His projection of a two- to three-year deal with somewhere in the neighborhood of eight-ish million dollars, which is essentially what we paid for Roger Saffold. Like, we'd be getting a younger, more position-flexible version of the same player on a deal that we might have to stretch over three to three years to make the cap hit play out. But wouldn't you prefer that over the options that are being laid out for the Bills' current offensive line? Sure, I'll take that. I mean, like, if that doesn't work, I also like the idea of Andre Dillard as an honorable mention. You're talking about a guy drafted in the first round by Philly as a tackle. Do, I still remember, uh, what was his face, from Bleeding Green Nation, Ben, uh, now he's a big shot. He works with Ringer, he's out there. Chris Ben Solak? Ben Solak came on this show and did an offensive line preview where he talked about Andre Dillard and talked him up big. Is it weird to you, Chris, that we've had so many people on the show who have gone on to, like, blogging, podcasting, content creation, like, fame? No, I mean, no, I mean, you get them on here early. Well, that's what I mean. We seem to be ahead of the curve. Ben Solak, uh, Kissed, Travis Wingfield. Travis Wingfield, you made the intro to his show. He'd never done a podcast before us. Now look at him. Well, I mean, he's he, with Daniel Jeremiah. He was doing the um, AFC East Bros. He would yeah. be a regular on there with Kyle and Gary Smith. And now look at him. Became a regular on our podcast. Now he's the Chris Brown of Dolphins football. That's crazy. We were lucky enough to share airspace with all of these guys, and we seem to get in on the ground floor on a lot of guys who are gonna blow up. Brett Coleman. Yeah. Before Brett Coleman went fucking bananas and took everything over. Here's what I like about Andre Dillard. Player drafted in the first round by Philly as a tackle. Right? But that's not a slight. Their offensive line. Chris, I kind of wish Brandon Bean could like pick the brain of Howie Roseman over there in Philly because their offensive line has perennially just been dominant. Uh, they've got, well, what do they have? Jason Peters, then Maliata. Dickerson, Kelsey, Samalo, uh, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce that. I, I know he's Tongan. Uh, not Tongan, uh, Hawaiian. What's that called? Samoan. Samoan. Lane Johnson. Like, no, you're never going to be able to crack the lineup when these guys are killers. Killers. I know everyone goes, well, Landon Dickerson. Landon Dickerson was the center at Alabama. That guy was a fucking hoss. He was an animal. I watched him bury people for fun. Away from the play, the thing's over. He's just out here because it's legal. He's mopping people up. And then, like, I don't know. The fact that they let him come in. Chris, they they, they dressed him in the national title game. He blew out his knee in the second to last game. They won the national title game, but they dressed him. And he was the guy who got to take the victory formation snap. That's a tough son of a bitch. Yeah. I I love what they've done in Philly. And it's why I thought they'd win the Super Bowl. But it's also why Andre Dillard couldn't crack the lineup. His only starts last season came at guard. And he only saw five or six of them when people were hurt. His lack of starting experience will keep him from getting a massive payday. And in that way... We could probably get him on a short bridge contract. They do this in hockey, don't they? Yes. They go, hey, listen, you're not quite ready to get paid yet, and you're still young. We'll give you a one- or two-year deal. And by the time that's over, you will have played your way into the next big offensive lineman payday, correct? Correct. Like, they do that in hockey all the time. They say, listen, you're a defenseman. You're an RFA, but you're You know they're going to be doing that with Owen Power. Because oh, yeah, for sure. he is going into the final year of his rookie deal next year. So there's yep. talk of do you pay him his ten million per now or do you bridge him at like six and a half, seven? Well, and that's the thing. You could do this with an Andre Dillard type type of type of a guy. 
And I think that, again, it, it's appealing for people who go, why would he do that? It allows him to now get starting experience with a team like Buffalo who needs tackle help, who also, if he doesn't work out as a starting tackle, like Darrell Williams, could slide in and still be one of the better guards on this football team and then hit free agency again before he's 30. There's an interesting opportunity here for Buffalo, and it's something I hope they've been kicking the tires on ahead of this year's free agent period. I also want to talk about the wide receiver room. Like, God, the Broncos situation with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Both of them, it's rumored, could be available for trade ahead of free agency. Like, I don't know. The Broncos, Chris, weren't a competitive team. No. (laughs) No. But the reality is they're a team that made too many coaching and execution mistakes on offense. When you have nine games that get settled by four points or less, that's half your schedule right there. And they had a three and six record in those games. That's bad coaching, isn't it? Yeah, that's why uh, Hackett's no longer there. 13 games settled by seven points or less. They had a four and nine record in those games. How do you you have (laughs) almost your whole schedule decided by one touchdown or less, and yet you're a massive loser? Oh, I know. Chris, offensive head coach, your red zone offense is fucking horrible. Yeah. Wasn't there a thing, like, through the first ten games, like, if if the Broncos had scored, like, more than 19 points in every game, they'd be, like, 8-1 and or something like that? That's coaching. Right? So now with Sean Payton stepping in there, there's hope that a lot of that will settle itself. But there's also work to be done because the Broncos are going to need cash. Right now they only have $9 million in cap space. They have three starting offensive linemen from last year hitting the market. They need to improve the overall depth of the roster. And both of these wide receivers are being floated as potential trade pieces at the deadline. And I can see why. Right? The Broncos have about $9 million. Judy, they have to make a decision on him. He has this impending deadline in May where they have to, they have to decide whether, they, whether or not they want to pick up his fifth-year option. Good rookie, but slow developing career. Uh, rookie season, it gets padded by garbage time stats. 856 yards, three touchdowns. He only starts five games in his second year, and his production reflected that. 2022, he starts 14 games, almost hit 1,000 yards, six touchdowns, but half of that production, 523 yards and three touchdowns, all of that comes in the final six games of the season. There were large parts of the year where he was absentee. So now if you're a football team that has to decide, I want to make a significant investment in this player. Chris, are you going to base your entire choice to invest more than $12 million in cap space for 2024 off six games. Nah, I don't know about that. Now imagine, now imagine you're a brand new coach. You didn't, you weren't involved in drafting the player. Mm-hmm. You didn't inherit that player. At this point, you're three shades. It's like that six separations of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Uh, everyone's separated by six. Everyone is six degrees of separation away from Kevin Bacon. This coach is at least three degrees of separation away from the people who made the decision to draft Jerry Judy in the top half of the first round. He's looking at this going, here's a player who, Chris, you'd be stupid to think that the current GM of the Broncos wouldn't take Sean. Like, they they haven't ever said that Sean Payton has full authority over the draft and full authority. But isn't it kind of unspoken? Yeah, he's got to have a lot of say. He's got a lot of say. This is a guy who he basically has to make a judgment call on in a month or two off six weeks of production. So with that said, wouldn't you... Like, I could make a case for them wanting to offload him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And avoid that. Like, we don't want to have to make the decision. Instead, we'll take a late-round pick and make you you guys make a call on his future. Doesn't that seem correct? Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, where Jerry, Jerry Judy took off, Cortland Sutton fucking cratered. Weeks 12 through 17, he went four games, 35 point, uh, like 35 and a quarter per game, one touchdown. He started the season really hot and then finished it with just two touchdowns 829 yards and nine drops, which is tied with Gabe Davis. Something Bills fans feel some kind of way about heading into this year's offseason. Chris, how much of the discourse around this team has been about, oh, Gabe Davis drops too many balls? Heard about it. Cortland Sutton, for as many people who like him, like he might be Gabe Davis. He might be what Gabe Davis's ceiling is. He might represent that. And it sucks for the Broncos because he's their second highest 2023 cap hit. And then he's over $17 million for the next two seasons. Their natural out in his contract doesn't come until next year, where he only accounts in, what, for like $7.6 million in dead cap. I think both players are interesting. Because for as much as people go, well, Gabe Davis sucked. And if he has correlation to Gabe Davis, then he must also suck. Here's what I'd say. Chris, give me two Gabe Davises, and you mean one of them will always be open? I like it. Where has all of Gabe Davis's career production come from? Uh, I've said this so many times on the podcast, I feel like I, I, I I'm sick about it. It comes from straight down the field when you're not at the seats yet for 99 <laughs> yards. It comes from when he's positioned in the slot, is where he is the most impactful version of himself. There's pros and cons, right? Both players are interesting. You trade for Jerry Judy, you're going to pay more in draft capital because you're getting a younger player. And you're getting the ability to craft what his contract future looks like. That could be interesting. Right? Like a high upside, big physical receiver who can be a true X receiver for your football team. And who could take some of the things that Gabe Davis wasn't quite ready for last year off his plate. You look at Cortland Sutton, and I see a player who, yeah, he's he's gonna cost you a lot of money. And maybe if you give him a higher draft pick, the Broncos might be willing to retain some salary, but I don't know if they have the cap space for it. So to be honest, you're going to be giving them a conditional late pick, and they're going to be giving you an $18 million receiver that you hope you can make into something else. But if you look at Cortland Sutton's career... Yeah, has it been uh, average... Average to below average? Because I took him on my fantasy team last year for uh, my fantasy dynasty league, and he didn't do much for me. That could be... No. he's Well, here's the thing. The year they paid him, <laughs> what, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns, like, he was a good player for their football team. He also took 124 targets. To get to 1,100 yards. On a team that already has a Stephon Diggs, he's not going to get that. You're just hoping that he can do what Emmanuel Sanders did and be like a bigger, faster, more physical version of that. At the same time, his injury issues, like, 
it robbed him of that one year, and he's never really gotten back to being who he is. He he tore his ACL in 2020, and that was it. Chris, he has never been the same player again. Now, the idea is, is that Sutton, you could try to make him into something. He's interesting. I just don't know for what. Maybe we make the Broncos cut him, and then you sign him as a free agent. But I like the player. Jerry Judy is interesting to me, not just as an Alabama fan, but as a guy who likes the idea of a true X receiver that can take the pressure off of Gabe Davis and make him kind of this, hey, we can sometimes roll him out next. We can sometimes put him in the slot. Chris, if we went big slot, do you remember when we did that with David Nelson? Yeah, and we beat the Raiders in week two. And the Patriots yes. in week three. And then our season folded. Hey, never mind that. <laughs> we lived the high life for a few weeks. The idea is, is that a big slot receiver for a team like ours that doesn't know what it wants from the slot, right? Like last year, how much how much did we fuck around with slot receivers? Oh, McKenzie. McKenzie, ah. Shakir. Then we got to sign Beasley, bring him in. At a certain point, maybe Dude, the answer when you, is when you, you just let Gabe Davis do the thing he's good at that I've been calling for for years. Hey, when you drink that, you make sure you go pinky up out of that coupe. <laughs> that is a fancy cup. Yeah, pinky up. That was a really good cocktail. I'm surprised you made that on your own because it was so well balanced. And the ginger really is the thing that rounded it all out. Look at you. Ma- yeah, I know. I'm. Was that homemade ginger syrup? Uh, no, that was. I used the uh, okay. store bought. Liber and Company fiery ginger syrup. If you're gonna, if you're making cocktails and you need a syrup but you don't want to make them, you get Liber and Company. If you live locally in Buffalo, you can go get them at Premier Gourmet. So, with that said, Jerry Judy, I think, is a strong idea. Cortland Sutton, when he inevitably gets cut or released, it's another idea that I don't hate. Like, I don't hate it. I just. <sighs> There's something about it that just appeals to me because he could be what he could be what Emmanuel Sanders, another former Bronco, was for our offense, as long as the money works. And then I think about the tight end position. The tight end position is one that the team is probably going to have to take a multifaceted approach with. When you look at the state of the offensive line, the wide receiver room, and other prominent areas of the depth chart, Chris, you know that this team can't help but draft a defensive player high. Sure. They can't help themselves. I think that this tight end class is being touted as a good one in the draft, but at the same time, you're not drafting multiple tight ends. Right now, Dawson Knox is the only tight end under contract that on a high-powered offense, you want to see on the field for your team on a regular basis. It's nothing personal against Quentin Morris, but his 25% snap share and 84 receiving yards I'm not going to save a space for you on the bus on a Super Bowl team. So with that said, like... Let me ask you this. Should we... I should just go... You should have sent this to me way earlier. Then I could have just dug up the audio from last offseason when you had the fancy idea of offering... uh, doing the offer sheet for Robert Tanyan. Yep. Because I got two guys. Robert Tanyan... Hayden Hurst. Again, we're talking about ideas. I like these guys, but they have a similar threat. Robert Tanyan leads all... Like No one knows. Chris, do you know what Robert Tanyan's been doing for the last two years? Playing with Aaron Rodgers? Aside from that. No. Okay. Going to Applebee's in Green Bay? Is that all there is? Most likely. Or Chili's. I think I like Chili's better than Applebee's. Applebee's, like my only memory of Applebee's, I have two. I have one where some kids swore in front, and maybe it wasn't even Applebee's. Maybe I'm remembering this wrong. I just remember being in a restaurant with some goofy shit on the walls. And I remember some 20-year-old kids who were talking about, like they were, Chris, you know how we speak when we're in our 20s. Yes. Oh, I heard this girl, and uh, and I'm going to speak real crassly about her in public because I'm trying to be cool with my friends. Oh, I'm edgy. Oh. (laughs) And it's me and my, I'm like 12, 13. My little brothers are all there. We're on some kind of a, we're on a road trip. And my father walks over to the table and just calmly asks these kids, like, hey, can you watch your mouths? Like, that kind of stuff. Like, my wife's here, my kids are here, whatever. 
So he comes back to the table, and they immediately, like I hear a kid drop the C word, and my dad just sets the whole place on fire. Just is now yelling in the restaurant, and they leave, and it's, it's Chris, a scene has been made. <laughs> but I remember watching that going, I fucking respect that. He got he got in their ass, and I loved it. That's well, that. well we we do live. Uh, I would say you and I live equal distance, right in between where we live. <laughs> there is an Applebee's, so maybe one of these nights, a Sunday like a Sunday night, we, hey, we right get, now we get the, they have all you can eat riblets and popcorn shrimp. I feel like it would give us the farts till we die, but I feel like we have to go do that. We could take the pod trek up there. Uh, get Mark. No, that is a good choice. Elon. Pat Pat Moran. Pat Moran. Pat Moran, because he lives he lives one street over from you, and then we do a because uh, he's doing his. Uh, for those that listen to Talking Buffalo, he's doing a um, Imperial series, Imperial Live, where he's doing the show at Imperial. We should just take that concept and do it at <laughs> Applebee's. <laughs> Go corporate with it. That there was one night where the Applebee's on Transit Road. I showed up drunk after softball. Uh, my buddy Travis Trelone, brother of Greg Trelone, the flag holder for the Buffalo Bills, guy who runs the back of the end zone, uh, he was there doing trivia night and was like, dude, come out, hang out with us. So I went, and somebody was prank phone calling the bar. Like, prank phone calling the bar. Like the Simpsons with yeah. Bart and Mo. Like, yeah, trying to do that to the bartenders at Applebee's. So me sitting there, woofing, drunk, woofing down half-priced buffalo uh, buffalo chicken bites, was just like, give me the phone. Just give me the phone. And I got the blessing from the manager and the bartenders to just start answering the phone. <laughs> and whenever it was this guy trying to be, like, breathy and weird, I would just start sexually harassing him in return. And he ended up hanging up. <laughs> Makes sense. You want to be weird? I'm weird. We can do this together. I have all night. I got nowhere to be. Those are my memories of Applebee's. Chili's is way better. True or false? I don't know. I go Chili's. Chili's is where business gets done. Yeah. Right? According to Michael Scott. I, I just, I think about this and I say to myself, Robert Tanya and Hayden Hurst, two ideas at tight ends for the Buffalo Bills. Robert Tanyan led all qualifying pass catchers, all of them, according to NFL Next Gen Stats, with 4.4 yards of separation in 2022, yet he didn't finish in the top 20 for cushion provided by the defense. He actually was 36th in the entire league. He's years removed from his most functional season, which should suppress his axing price. Uh, he scored 11 touchdowns in 2020, then tore his ACL in 2021, and was a relative non-factor in 2022. But his catch percentage rebounded closer to what he had in 2020, which shows like he's rounding into form. He could be the type of player you get on a flyer deal that nobody has any faith in, and that a rebuilding Packers team doesn't have any use for, correct? Yeah. Like, they're like, hey, listen, if we're getting young, let's get young. We already did it at the wide receiver group. Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson. We might as well we might as well get young at tight end in a draft class that's full of them. Let's go get a start. Chris, the Green Bay Packers might be one of those teams that drafts that uh who's that who's that tight end they keep talking about that's like the best in the class? Don't know. Let's see. It doesn't it doesn't matter. They could be focusing they're probably focusing so much on the Aaron Rodgers situation and if they're going to trade him or if they're going to keep him around that they're just forgetting about everyone else in their free agent class. No, I, I feel like they've already, they're already done. They could be a team that goes out there and plays for a Michael Mayer, uh, Dalton Kincaid, a Luke Musgrave. Like They could be a player for that, which doesn't leave any room for Robert Tanyan. There's no reason for them to keep him. So he's a type of player that you could get on a, a low-value one-to-two-year deal just to get him in here and say, listen, can you be what you used to be? The same thing kind of goes for a Hayden Hurst. Like Tanya, Hurst is a tight end. Top 10 average separation, despite finishing with just average cushion. Now, Chris, that happens because post-snap, everyone gravitates towards your wide receivers. The Bills are almost... 
they almost have to do something at wide receiver, don't they? Yeah. Okay. So when they do, defenses will bail out and go to the wide receivers. Hayden Hurst can continue his good separation away from linebackers with no additional safety help being applied to him. His production at Cincy was pretty much what we saw throughout his career, though. Like, he he didn't, he's never changed, right? Baltimore made him a first-round pick. Then they traded him to Atlanta. They cut him. He's steady, but not tight end one material. Two touchdowns, just 414 and 26 first downs. But that, Chris, that's good second fiddle in a high-volume passing offense, right? Yeah. You don't want that from your TE1, but if you can get three or four touchdowns and maybe the same yardage out of your second tight end, and here's the thing, like 3.8 yards after the catch per reception was on par with some other tight ends who are going to get paid a lot more money than him. Gasecki, just based on where he was drafted and his recent, like, oh, sorry, Gasecki's going to make more money than Hayden Hurst in this offseason cycle, just based on the way their careers have gone. Austin Hooper is probably going to get paid more than Hayden Hurst. I don't think either one are better than him. And unlike Robert Tanyan, Hayden Hurst is a really adequate run blocker. He's an athlete in space, can get to the second level, he can seal an edge, he can do different things for you. Half the reason the O.J. Howard experiment failed is because he was a robot in terms of his athleticism. He just Clearly the injuries he's sustained have sapped him of what athleticism he had that made him a first-round draft pick, or a high draft pick, I should say. But he just didn't... O.J. Howard, like, if you're not an athlete in space and you can't be a receiving threat, to the point where they trust Quentin Morris over you, then you have to be an impact blocker, and you couldn't do that either. Hurst can give you that. So whether it's Tanya on a one-year deal or Hurst maybe on a two-year deal with a team option that lets you smooth out the cap hit, neither player should cost more than $6 million a year on, like, an AAV. And yet they'd represent a more proven option that outside of Dawson Knox than anything that currently exists on the roster. And they'd represent a nice middle ground between Quentin Morris and the theoretical return for O.J. Howard that we thought we were getting last year. You know, the guy who can come in and be a receiving threat and also a blocker. And it would put them in that portion of the draft board that if an elite tight end prospect fell to them, let's say in the second round, they wouldn't be putting head on a hat, which is a phrase Ryan Lacell loves that I use, by putting by putting one of these guys into the lineup. They wouldn't be putting head on a hat by drafting a, a tight end in the second round or third round, knowing he's your, your second, but still having Hayden Hurst as a third. Chris, didn't we do that the year we drafted Dawson Knox? I think so. Yeah, we flooded the position group with talent to be like, not talent, but just bodies, to be like, listen, somebody's going to pan out. You do the same here. You say to yourself, listen, if we sign one of these two guys, if no one falls to us, we can get by with one of these two guys and Dawson Knox is our one and two with a blocking specialist or maybe just we put, we do what the Bills have done. Bring in a tackle to be your extra blocking tight end. They've done that. You figure this out, but at least you have a name in the house that you can rely on to produce week in and week out in terms of offensive skill set. Best case scenario, you bring in one of these guys on a one or two year flyer and then a great tight end falls to you in the second or third round and you get to draft that player knowing that they are the next, like now you have two dynamic tight ends. And eventually by week six, seven, eight, your Hayden Hurst or your Robert Tanya is taking a back seat to the guy who you drafted. And now your room is flush with talent. And you have just another tool in your toolbox as an offensive coordinator as to how to dissect opposing defenses. I don't know. Chris, I feel like it's a no-brainer to at least add one of these types of players, correct? Sure. Now on defense, I've got one idea and a bunch of shit I don't like. Uh, if the Bills truly do turn over a new leaf and decide to focus on building a dominant offensive group rather than pouring cash and assets into that defense, I, 
like Chris, you try to go after more depth pieces and average starters than Von Miller's and Matt Milano's in hopes that coaching can bridge the experience gap. You try to do what Kansas City did this last year and say, look, we're willing to be a little bit worse than average in the regular season if it means that our offense can take a step forward that wins us more games. Because offense is what wins in the playoffs, and our defense every year has showed its ass. Like, there's some other guys I'm interested for Buffalo, but the biggest one is linebacker Zach Cunningham. Do you remember our linebacker draft? All the talk, right? About the year that we took Tremaine Edmonds. I didn't even think he was an option for Buffalo. Yeah. We didn't talk about him pre-draft. I talked about this guy. Linebacker Zach Cunningham. Originally a Houston Texan. Standout at North Carolina. That I really liked when he came out. The Bills took Edmonds instead. And it's funny to see that both players are going to be free agents at the same time, but on wildly opposite ends of the spectrum. Cunningham missed a huge chunk of 2022, was activated for the final week of the season, and played 15 snaps. He should have the offseason to try to rehab and return to form. Like, he could do it on a one- or two-year flyer in Buffalo, I assume. Yeah. Like, when healthy, he has decent coverage skills. Early in his career, he showed that he really, really really well as a run defender. That was one of the things that eluded Tremaine Edmonds, don't you think? Yeah. He needed good defensive tackle play in front of him. Chris, how good have the Houston Texans been over the last few years? Oh, they're amazing at getting new coaches. That's the best part (laughs) of that franchise right now. So, for a guy who played in front of shit defensive line after shit defensive line, he found a way to be really impactful against the run. Just attacks downhill, sifts through a lot of the trash to the line of scrimmage really instinctively. And he doesn't get swallowed up. He's got a lot of lateral agility, and he never quits on a play. You see a lot of his tackles come from behind the play, even when he's been washed out of it by his blocker and then fights off the block and comes back to make the play. I like that. You can routinely watch him scrape across the defensive line to fill a crease, fill a gap. It it was something that Tremaine Edmonds, Chris, it was, it was always said. There's a reason Roquan Smith was drafted ahead of Tremaine Edmonds. He was seen as the more complete player because he had it between the ears. It took Edmonds a long time to figure out how to process and diagnose, but he had the rare physical tools. He was the Josh Allen of the Bills' defense, just this big block of clay that we think we can make a standout linebacker out of. Well, he finally did it. But Chris, how many how many teams with middling middle linebacker play win playoff games and one of them just won a Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Do you need to pay a premium for middle linebacker play? I wouldn't. If you have a good defensive coach? No, I wouldn't do that. If I'm if I'm allocating, you know, the highest percentage of my salary cap to certain positions, it would be quarterback, left tackle, right tackle, and then defensive end would be those would be the top top 4. So if I told you that you already have one elite coverage linebacker, all pro Matt Milano. Yes. Okay. Obviously, asking for two great coverage linebackers is asking a lot. It is. Like, most teams don't get that lucky. But also, you have to figure now with the with what we're paying, you're going to have to make choices. Here's what I see. 2019, 143 tackles. Only 11 missed tackles. Two sacks, seven tackles for loss. 2020, the injury hits Zach Cunningham. He's out. 2021, 93 tackles. Chris, these are starting middle linebacker in the NFL numbers. Starting, I think that they're good numbers. And I don't know. He's not the most instinctual linebacker in coverage. I'll give you that. But for the price tag, you can't ask for miracles. At 28 years old, you could, in theory, make him a cheap starter option for two years to compete with a rookie and a depth piece for next season or two at a relatively low average annual value. 
does the logic behind that make sense? Sure. As you are, as you are the, like the layperson in yeah. regards to this conversation. I mean, if we're not going to have Tremaine Edmonds for next year. Then let's get a a quality veteran that can. It's not going to live up to what Tremaine Edmonds was doing, but that can fill his his role to a certain degree that you get from a veteran, and then either this year draft somebody or next year draft somebody that you can develop into that role. But you're not going to find anybody that can be what Trey Edmonds was. Now, Chris, I want to talk about the ideas that I hate ahead of this, and you know the drop I want to hear in order to introduce this line of conversation. With all due respect, and remember, I'm saying with all due respect, that idea ain't worth a velvet painting of a whale and a dolphin getting it on. Chris, there's a lot of stupid ideas out there. I've seen people talking about, I don't know, trading for, I feel like we touched on this last week, but we have to revisit it. Trading for a running back? No. Specifically Derrick Henry? No. Like, what would it take for you to be on board with that idea? There would be nothing that would get me on board. I'll tell you what. You I, could so you could do the trade and then uh, have Terry and Kim Pagula give me $100,000 cash. I still would not like the idea. <laughs> I was going to say, I would, I'll tell you how I'd like the, like, Derek Henry coming here is if Doc Brown showed up here today and we get to hop in the DeLorean and go back to draft day and we pick him. That's it. Yeah. It's the only way that I feel like it makes sense. I I I don't I have no interest in a guy who has the most touches in the NFL over the course of his career. Now that he's getting late in the career. He's post extension. What? 2 years now? Yeah. 2 2 years removed from his rookie contract. Chris, Brandon Jacobs was the last guy like this. When he hit the wall, he hit it hard. The Titans, like with him, haven't been that threatening in the postseason, have they? Now, no. mind you, none, none of those Titans teams had Josh Allen. But I'll tell you that the idea of Derrick Henry in a Bills jersey ain't worth a velvet painting of a Will and a Dolphin getting on. Like, just forget that. Pipe dream. Don't want it. Don't need it. Now, going out and spending money on another, like, oh, we can't get any, we can't keep Tremaine Edmonds. What about another guy? Like, uh, like uh, we'll just sign another free agent guy who's coming off a big contract. Chris, there's nobody else. If it's not Levante David, like we talked about last week. No, nobody. If it's not Zach Cunningham. You draft a guy. True or false? Yeah, draft. And then maybe you take a flyer, like day three free agency, you ink a, just a stopgap, just a camp body to come in here and compete with a rookie, and now you know that you have to go into the draft and try to identify a talent at that position. But either way, I'd prefer that over the options out there, because when you look at these guys, like who? Chris, uh, what, Kyle Van Noy? No Hold thanks. On. Denzel Perryman? No. Oh, I know. Let's bring back Tyler Matakevich. Big red. No thank you. A dirty red. Sure. Either way, he's <laughs> yeah, got sure. red, red, not, not red hair. Gonna, not no. going to remember his fucking nickname because he's terrible. Up there with terrible ideas. Defensive line in free agency. Like, outside of... Like, last week I talked about the fact that I think, I really do believe, that, I don't know, I think, uh, what's-his-face, former first-round draft pick of the Jaguars. I don't know, I've had a lot to drink tonight. What are we... Call in if you know. Who, Josh Allen? No. Uh, defensive end. I was talking about last week a guy who played for the Cowboys, played for the Jaguars. He's kind of floated around. Ngakwe? No. He could be a nice addition on a fairly cheap contract at defensive end. But realistically, uh, let me see. 
No, now you got to know who it is. Dante Fowler Jr. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Okay. Dante Fowler Jr. Outside of him, I don't want them to make any defensive end signings in free agency. I want them to go back in the draft and fix the mistake that they made. Like, Von Miller's signing was an admission that, hey, we kind of fucked up by drafting Epinesa. It was like, hey, Basham's not nearly as impactful as we thought he was going to be. We have to swing for the fences on an alpha DN. Well, then guess what? You should keep swinging for the fences on that in the draft. Keep trying to find your alpha D-end in what is an ultimately really deep defensive end class. Do not go out here and spend a bunch of money. Fowler Jr. is the only one I could wrap my head around. All these other guys, Chris, I mean, we're talking about Brandon Graham, Ngakwe, uh, Jadavian Clowney. How has that guy made his fucking money? I don't understand. If I go to... Jadavian Clowney. He hasn't, for me, Clowney has not done anything since he hit that guy in that bowl game <laughs> against, was it Michigan? Was that right? Michigan? No, that no. it was one of the coolest plays I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, when he popped that guy's... Do you, yeah, the guy's helmet Chris, popped the context right is what makes the play cool. The The referees gave, like, the gave Michigan... A first down when the ball was clearly short of the fourth down line to gain. And everyone's screaming about it. And they even the announcers are like, this is an egregious fucking oversight, blah, 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 blah. And then Jadavian Clowney screams in and erases the mistake by annihilating a running back, popping his helmet off, forcing a fumble, and recovering it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the greatest plays. It's in one of the greatest plays football. in all of football history. I don't care. All of football history. Yeah. What has he done since then? Not much. I'm looking at this. Played with Cleveland. Guys, his first year with Cleveland, nine sacks. Last year he had two sacks. This seems to be the kind of thing, like, he went to Seattle. The what, 11, 11 starts, three sacks? But they paid a fuck ton of money for him. His last season in Houston, nine sacks, because he knew he was playing for a pay like... He was at the end of it. He hasn't been regularly impactful. All of these guys, the Larry Ogunjobis, like, you can tell me that they're quality players, and I will tell you that I don't give a fuck. I literally just want a cost-controlled football team. And the fact that you signed Devon Miller tells me you gotta cheap out. You gotta start, you gotta start cutting guys like Epinesa and admitting your mistake and drafting replacements for him. And I swear to God, if you're doing the, in the second round, when there's a running back like, uh, J.K. Dobbins there, I will again destroy a draft podcast. Nice. What are you you woofing at over there? Uh, Buffalo just went up one nothing. Dylan Cousins just. Wait, Buffalo's playing? Yeah. Sabres just scored. Dylan Cousins. They're up one nothing. Almost halfway through the game. Playing, they're at the Islanders, and we are 22-5-1 scoring first. This is, Chris, one of the last podcasts we'll do. I will do a Spaces over the weekend. Sunday at 5 o'clock? That might not be bad. That is a bad time. Everybody's eating, you idiot. I was drunk. What do you want from me? Do it at a normal time. What's a normal time? I don't... Someone tell me what a normal time for spaces is. Yeah. I want you people to participate. I want to talk to you. That's why I'm doing this. I want... Tweet to... at us at Rockpile Report. What tell is us... the right time tell to us do what a time. spaces where you assholes want to talk to me about what we do on this podcast? You tell me. But what I want to talk about this weekend, like, like I said, there's a lot of bad ideas. There's a lot of good ideas. As I sit here and I drink my way through a six-pack, talking about... People go, oh, no, is he going to have six ideas? No, free agency six-pack is me drinking six beverages while I talk to you about free agency. <laughs> <laughs> ah, tear down the fourth wall. That's it. It was my own little that's game. The thing is, I'm just here getting bombed. That's the thing. Uh, six six cocktails, six players. It's like... It's like um, that from the episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia where... Uh, Charlie, like, gradually throughout the episode, gets OCD. <laughs> hey, guys, I got some bagels and coffee. One, two, three. One, two, three. He starts doing things in threes. 
That's what you're just going to review players in, in uh, six packs, drink six packs. It, it's going to be weird. It's been weird, guys. Here's what I want to know: Tweet at us at Rockpile Report. What is the worst idea? The worst Bills free agency concept that you can think of? Next week, we're working on it. It's allegedly, Chris, as you like to say. Allegedly. Allegedly at this point. Tyler Dunn will be in studio with us. Allegedly. To talk about the fallout of just Bills free agency, NFL free agency. We're going to have a whole bunch of stuff to sift through. I want to read through with him your tweets about what the the worst ideas for the Bills and free agency would be. The best one between he and I, we're going to pick through them. We're going to read some of them. We will pick one, and one of you will get a copy of Tyler Dunn's book, The Blood and Guts, How Tight End Saves How Tight Ends Save Football. I love it. I love being able to share this stuff with you guys. I love the fact that you guys show up every week as I drink and just yell about football concepts. It's hilarious. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. Chris, I'm Drew Gear. You're you. This has been the Rockpile Report. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.